0: Broncos Bron- 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 cool go- Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown
1: Denver. Alright, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. Uh, hosted by myself, George Stoya, my good friend Nick Ferguson. Nick, how you doing this beautiful Tuesday?
0: I am Spectacular, George. How about yourself?
1: I'm here. Um, I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing well. Uh, Tuesdays. Tuesdays are always a weird day, you know, because there's not. Uh, there's no practice. There's no media, uh, and so I usually use Tuesdays to get stuff done around my apartment or yeah. run errands. Yeah. And so today is cleaning day. I really need to clean my entire apartment, so I'm not looking forward to that. Um,
0: a little spring cleaning and a little uh, purging. For, yes George story yet.
1: i need to i need to get rid of some stuff like i need to go through my closet nick i have a bunch of clothes that i just never wear and at some point i need to just like give them away or to like the goodwill or something because they're just taking up space in my apartment you know
0: well, well this is uh that time of year where it, it is always encouraged to give and it's interesting we, we're talking about giving and we're talking about purging I think uh, Broncos Country—they've been pushing that narrative for a while, as far as the Broncos needing to do a little spring cleaning and purging of their own.
1: Yeah, and that brings me to our, our kind of first topic or question today, Nick. I, you you kind of texted it to me, uh, and I wanted to talk about it on here. Is is you know you said you you said to me, uh, you know, if winning is so important, which obviously it's very important, the Broncos have talked about that all season about wanting to win, and they they haven't gotten it done. Why why have the Broncos not done blank? Fill in the blank, Nick. Why have the Broncos not done this uh, if winning is so important to them?
0: Well, I'll say not use, using uh, every single uh, uh, weapon or option on their offense. And what bugs me sometimes, and the Broncos are not the only team that, that, that kind of uh, does this type of thing. When you bring guys in and with the idea of putting them on practice squad hoping that somehow they will learn the offensive defense and then you would kind of utilize them in the game plan. But I, I look at the Broncos roster and I, I look at one guy, right? And I look at Victor Bolden. And, and, and you may be asking yourself, well, why is Nick bringing up Victor Bolden and, and why this seems to be the key cog in what the Broncos haven't done? He's not the key cog. We'll get to those other things. But when you bring a guy in with that type of speed and knowing as though the Broncos have had – wide receivers that have been banged up and you don't have that many options. Why bring that guy on and have him on the practice squad? And I think he's been with the Broncos going on four weeks. Why don't you allow him to get into the game? And the the reason I say that is because we know that he is a speedy wide receiver. He's small at 5'8", maybe 180 pounds, but is about using that speed offensively to push back the defense and, and for me, you don't really have to say, OK, well, there's a huge game plan uh, wrapped around Victor Bolin and his skill set. No, you don't need that. But it's just the sheer threat of the vertical passing game that made back off the defense that allows the offense to be able to hit those short and intermediate routes. And oh, by the way, it would, it would allow some of the other wide receivers to kind of, you know, talk to him and see what he's doing as a veteran player. And I know he's listed as only having three years of experience, but he's been around the game in NFL for a while. So that's kind of the first leg of it. The second leg of it is played with more tempo. I don't know if you watched the game last night between the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what was happening in Tampa Bay was similar to what's happening with here at, at home with the Broncos running game. Can't get on track because offensive line, has been banged up, and they can't sustain their blocks. The quarterback is struggling to find wide receivers down the field because of that same thing. But all I know is, and Tom Brady's done it three times this season, where in desperation mode, they move the ball down the field because they're playing with tempo. Quick throws, quick rhythmic throws, it does allow the pass rush to get home, and they move the ball down the field and they score. It. So I was thinking, well, it would be great if the Broncos did this. Play with more tempo. And what I mean by that is constantly operate out of the two-minute offense. Every single possession you're playing, like you're behind, desperation mode. Because when we've seen this offense, let's be totally honest, it's been operating out of the four-minute offense, which is more of a slow, methodical offense. But start right there. I mean, attack every possession, like it's a sense of urgency, and and run the two-minute offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I like the tempo idea. Um, The only concern I have with it, Nick, is if they're not any good at it, which let's say they aren't just because they haven't been very good at anything they do on offense, uh, you could create some very quick three and outs and all of a sudden the defense has to be on the field more. But, you know, if it could spark – I mean, at this point, Nick, you got to try everything, right? So you might as well try some tempo. And I think they did some tempo earlier this year. It worked pretty well. Um, and we've seen them do it in these, these close games, they get all the way down there and they're not able to finish in the end zone, but that's also because there's not a whole lot of time left. So I wonder, uh, if that's something they could do. I thought the, uh, your first point too, about playmakers, we've seen that all year, right? Like, I mean, we didn't see KJ Hamler getting used before he got hurt. Uh, you know, at times Jerry Judy was absent. Even, uh, you, you, you could even say, you know, mantra Washington wasn't used early in the season, a ton Jalen Virgil. I mean. The guy's the fastest guy on the team, uh, and somehow he can't get the ball in his hands. Uh Albert O is a guy that was supposed to be a big part of this offense. He's never even active on Sundays and they can't use him. I mean, they use tight ends uh more than any other uh, you know, position this last week and you know, threw him the ball a lot, and somehow Albert O's not even able to get on the field. So I think that both those are valid arguments. Uh, I guess mine would be Nick, and this is not something they can really control, is why have they not just stayed healthy, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's like, you know, like that's that's one thing that I think would really help this team is if I, – I mean, and obviously that would help any team in the NFL, but it, you just take, you know, a handful of those guys that are on in the injured reserve, bring them back. I think this is a better football team. I mean, Javante Williams is one of them, right? You, you put Javante Williams on this football team, they might have two, three, four more wins. Uh, and I genuinely believe that. Like that's how big of a difference maker he can be, especially for a struggling offense if you're able to – just turn the ball and hand it to him and he breaks off a few, you know, big runs or scores or whatever. It's a different game. So Tim Patrick's another one, right? I mean, I think Tim Patrick's on this team this year, it's a different team. So uh, I, I think there, there's, there's a bunch of things you could point to, uh, you know, you could even say the offensive line, Nick, um, you know, why haven't they, you know, uh, drafted a right tackle uh, in the last few years. Uh, and, and I, again, we're getting into things that aren't really feasible this year. But that's what I look at is, is, you know, why haven't they done these things in the last couple of years? Uh, and now we're seeing,
0: the, the, you know, some of those things be exposed. Yeah, but with the injuries that you really can't, you can't really do that. Uh, and right. You, you know, most coaches would love to have their players wrapped in bubble wrap, but that's impossible, right? You can't say that we want every single player healthy because when we look at the Super Bowl every single year, it may not necessarily be the best team that's in the Super Bowl, but it's probably, long. I mean, when you really look at it, the team that's been the healthiest, and, and that's the key. But you can't really get around that in the NFL because it's a physical game. The only thing that you can do as a team is make sure that you have adequate depth that you can plug and play, guys who are familiar with your scheme, so it won't really take them that long to adjust to, the verbiage, and once again, I go back to Vic, to Victor Bolden with the situation. When you look at the scheme that Victor Bolden has played in in his NFL career, he's been in this Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan offense. The only thing is getting accustomed to what the verbiage is, and then you can just kind of go along. But this is what I mean by not using your personnel the way that you should. You have all those injured guys on the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned Javante. Hey, it would be great if he was in the lineup, but he's not. You have Latavius Murray, you have Marlon Mack, and Mike Boone just came back. Put those guys into action. And then, once again, going back to the tempo, establish that tempo. You said yourself, if the Broncos probably try to do the up-tempo, that means there's a possibility that they could go three and out quicker. Well, George, they're doing that anyway, right? Are they not going that, you know, three and out at a high rate? So if you know that you're doing that anyway, you might as well try every single thing, right? There's, there's no reason to be reserved and say, well, we're going to save this for next week. Oh, we're going to hit them with this two weeks from, from now. No, right now, every game is desperation mode. That's why I said that the Broncos should practice, right? They should have done it weeks ago, but everything is going to be up-tempo. Will it put more pressure on the offensive line to engage their blockers? Yes, but they're not doing that now. So you have to try every single thing, exhaust everything. If, you, if you're a coach and you wrote something on a napkin in a restaurant four years ago and you were thinking about um, uh, utilizing an offense, you have to use it, George. You're in desperation mode, right? Let's just call it what it is. You're in desperation mode. You're trying to save jobs. So why be reserved as far or conservative, a better word, uh, with your approach to the game? No, be aggressive. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, let's try something else. Well, you can't be in a situation where you're sitting on your hands and having a conservative game plan. And and those players have to go out there just as well as the coaches and execute with a sense of urgency at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're wrong, Nick. Um, I, I think that they should try everything. And and I, I think there's probably part of <clears> them <throat> that, that are, Nick. Like, I, I don't think that they're, they're not trying new things. Maybe it doesn't look like it. Um, you know, I, I think that they're, they're looking at ways to try and get this offense sparked. I just, Nick, I think I've just lost faith uh, that they can figure it out. And and maybe the tempo thing is something they can do. I mean, you mentioned it, that the Bucks last night, uh, which, by the way, it was just a crazy, stupid finish. I, I can't believe Tom Brady was able to pull that off. But, um, you know, part of the problem, Nick, is they don't have Tom Brady. Uh, you know, if if we want to talk about things, why have they not done this? Why have they not just moved on from Russell Wilson, Nick? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I know there, I know there's people out there that that want that to happen, but yeah. that's not going to happen. But I mean, I I don't know, Nick. I wish I could come up with more solutions. I know one thing that they need to be better at uh, is third down, and and uh, Nathaniel Hackett it seems every single week, Nick gets up there and talks about how they can be better on third down, and it doesn't. Usually, Nick doesn't give a great answer about how they can be better, but I wanted you to hear this audio yesterday from Nathaniel Hackett breaking down uh, what they're trying to do on third down, and I want to get your reaction because I thought it was one of his his best uh, answers uh, of the season, really, uh, explaining what they're trying to do on offense. So here's the audio from Broncos.com. Uh, As we look at it, we always want to stay out of third down if we can. A lot of our drives that we've scored on have been big plays, whether we've gotten a pass or a chunk yard on a play pass, uh, whether we've run the ball to try to set something up to be able to create a play pass. We we did a couple things. That was kind of created the Dulcich uh, play that he got double teamed on and ran a great route. We had been in that personnel and run a couple runs out of that formation. So we set that up. So you're kind of trying to stay out of third down as much as you possibly can. Uh, But then... You, when you combine the two of the play pass, you want everything to look the same as much as you possibly can. Sometimes you have to run a run that might not be successful, but it helps you out for an explosive pass down the field, or vice versa. You get some kind of a pass, gets them into an open coverage, so then you can take advantage of then running the ball versus an open coverage, and you're hoping to get more than five yards. You're looking for an explosive run. Nick, what what, what are your thoughts on that? And and he talked, uh, you know, more extensively too about. it's a chess match of, you know, you know, obviously being aggressive um, in in those situations and looking for the big play down the field and and also just taking what the defense gives you. And often it feels like they're just taking what the defense gives them, which is not a whole lot uh, sometimes. And and they're short of the sticks. We talked about that, right. Um, Many of these times, but what did you think of of Hackett's explanation of of what they're trying to do in those third downs?
0: Yeah. I I, I like what he was saying because that was my, my thought process when I watched the game when they came out with Russell on the center. And I think the first couple of plays were like run plays. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I get what they're trying to do, knowing as though, hey, you're facing a Ravens defense that was ranked second in the league as far as giving up yards per game. I think they were giving up 82 yards, but it was trying to establish somewhat of uh, not not just a rhythm, George, but you wanna you wanna kind of lay the ground the ground foundation for setting up what you think that you want to utilize in that game. And even though the odds seem like they were stacked against them, but because how great the Ravens defense was against the run, they still wanted to say, Hey, listen, this is our, our identity. And we're going to continue to try to run the ball on you because we know at some point it's going to open up some plays down the field. That's why we saw, you know, more of the three tight end sets, that 13 personnel and not as much of the 11 personnel. So I, I was waiting with bated breath, like, okay, well, here's the play action. Here's coming. Now, they had a couple of plays in the game, one to Jerry Judy, one to Greg Dosage, but the problem with that theory was, George, there wasn't a lot, right? They didn't give us a, a, a lot. They, they left a lot to be desired. If that was going to be your game plan to set up play action, give us a little more of it, right? And not to say that it had to be Jerry and it had to be Greg. There were other guys. You just talked about it earlier. You, you mentioned, you know, Montreal Washington, who I think, they using me mean, a lot of these gadget plays and that's not working. And then you had Jalen Virgil as well. I mean Brandon Johnson too is on this roster, but he wasn't utilized. So if you're sticking with that philosophy, use those other players to create more options for the quarterback. But but here's what it does for the defense. Now you have to think about defending every single player, not just a Jerry Judy or Greg Dosage. Once again, who was who were not utilized as much as I would have liked.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's – again, it's kind of been a constant theme this year, right, Nick, is is them not utilizing some of these guys. And uh, I do think there's probably some frustration setting in with, with a few of them, um, you know, because opportunities haven't really been coming their way. So we'll see. Maybe they maybe they can get some of these – I mean, they're kind of going to be forced to, to play some of these guys. I mean, Cortland Sutton, day-to-day, according to Nathaniel Hackett, which when he says day-to-day usually means he's out like two weeks. Uh, so there's going to be guys – I mean, Jerry Judy's still limited – so, there's going to be some of these guys that are going to be forced to have to have opportunities. So, going to be interesting to see what the Broncos do going forward with that. Nick, we got to take a quick break uh, and then we will dive into uh, a couple other things, including uh, one player that uh, I think a lot of people thought maybe would be extended at this point uh, and has not been, uh, as well as a couple other topics that we wanted to get to today.
0: Let's ride with touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoyer. All
1: right, everybody, welcome back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, I wanted to talk about one guy. Uh, he's in the news today for for good reasons, but uh, I wanted to talk to him, talk talk about him specifically uh, for a different reason, and that's his contract extension. And I'm talking about Dalton Reisner. Uh, obviously been with the team the last few years, was drafted by him. Uh, was was it in the second round, Nick?
0: Yeah, I think it might have been the second round.
1: Second round. Um, obviously, Dalton's been with him. He, he's been a starter the last four years, I believe. Uh, a, a guy this year, I think he's the only offensive lineman, Nick, that has started every single game this year for the Broncos. Uh, he was named the uh, team's Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee today. Uh, obviously does a lot of really good stuff in the community. He's a local guy from Wiggins, Colorado a uh, small town right outside of Denver here uh, and, and has done some great stuff. His contract is up though, Nick, uh, at the end of this season. And I know a lot of people have been talking about Draymond Jones and if they're going to extend him. Dalton Reiser is also another guy that I think a lot of people thought that they would try and keep him, uh, but we have yet to see that. I don't know if they're waiting for the end of the season, uh, if they're going to let him walk and maybe go to free agency. Maybe they look to totally revamp that offensive line. But what's maybe your thought? on how they handled uh, Dalton Reisner's future.
0: This is a very uh, interesting uh, a topic that you bring up because usually when a team is, is struggling, you know, the organization is not looking to re-up anyone, extend anyone. And basically this is how I, I'm, I'm reading the tea leaves and I could be wrong, but this is just my own personal opinion. When, when, when teams start to lose, it, it has a profound effect on so many things. And, you know, looking at the fact that Draymond Jones has not been extended. Yeah, you know, Dalton Reiser had, none of these guys have been extended, but that is a, a byproduct of, of losing. And when you look at the organization, and maybe this is what George Payton is thinking, and I mentioned this before, when a team is struggling, you want to see which guys have that ability to fight. You mentioned that, hey, Dalton Reisner is the only guy in that starting lineup who has been consistent for a period of time, right? They, the Broncos have had a bunch of makeshift guys with due to injuries and inconsistent play but he's thinking hey listen I've been a four-year starter you know you just mentioned the fact that you know being the Broncos Walter Payton man of the year uh nominee he's great in the community so he's figuring hey listen man I I live and breathe you know Denver Broncos so so why not give me an extension and keep me here but this is one of those strategic situations where it's a wait and see we want to see how this thing plays out Are you still going to continue to play your best ball at the end of the season, knowing as though the team is out of the playoffs? This is something that they're looking to see uh, if Dalton Reisner continues to play at a high level.
1: Yeah. Here's what I think they're thinking, Nick is the offensive line hasn't been good all year. Um, And, and and Dalton, I, I don't want to say he's the issue, but I'm sure he's had his inconsistent play at times this year. Now, like I said, he's been the only one that's been healthy all year, so you have to take that into account. And he's been healthy pretty much his entire career. I don't think he's missed a whole lot of time in the last four years. So it's one of those things where he's healthy, but could you get better at that position? Probably. Uh, but, the, but the issue, Nick, is I don't know where – you've got a whole lot of other places you've got to get better at. So signing him to you know a team-friendly deal or bringing him back on a, on a two-year deal, whatever that looks like, uh, is probably something that you want to consider because you still have to fill right tackle, right, which I would assume is something they'll they'll try to do in the draft, maybe even in free agency as well. Uh, you know, you probably want to get better at center. Maybe that's something you do in free agency as well. Uh, you need depth up there, so you're going to do that probably in the draft as well. So you, you've got all these other positions. You've got, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're trying to get another running back, um, you know, this offseason. Trying to maybe get another playmaker at wide receiver. I don't know, right? But but there's all these other positions that they also have to fill. So you kind of look and say, well, we got we got a nice player in Dalton. Uh, that if we can get him on the right deal, that's what we would do. Now, if you're Dalton, I'm saying, well, I've been a four-year starter. Uh, I've played for you all these years. I, I'm sure there's a market out there for him, uh, Nick, for other teams. I'm sure there's other teams that might would might pay him more money. I wonder. Uh, if, if he would prefer to stay, I would, I would assume he'd prefer to stay in Denver. Like you said, all the reasons, why wouldn't he be, uh, he's from here. He's won Walter Payton man of the year this year, all those things. Uh, but I do think that he could probably say, you know what, I'm going to walk and, uh, get more money elsewhere.
0: See, see George, let me tell you a little bit about the business of football, right? Reisner may think that as though other players have thought about that. But that's, this is one of those things that uh, where losing really hurts your market. You're playing for a team that's not playoff bound. And the excuse or justification could be used that hey, listen, I'm the last man standing. So that should count for something. And the grand scheme of things in the business of football, no, it does not. Because they're looking for ways to not pay you more money instead of giving you more money. So the fact that the team is not performing well and he's part of that offensive line, this whole concept that maybe you go out there, you hit the market, and maybe uh, there's another team would will be willing to give you more money. Nope, not going to happen. Now, it's great if it happened for Dalton, but hey, he wants to stay here. The team knows he wants to stay here, right? And also know they know that the team, the offensive line isn't playing well and the offense hasn't been that great. So when you look at leverage and negotiations, all that leverage goes to the Denver Broncos. Now you can say, "Well, hey, the Broncos have so many guys on a, across that offensive line; they're gonna need to stick with Dalton Reisner." Yes, that 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 is true. Reisner, I guess that's the one pro that Reisner had is just, "Hey, listen, hey man, I'm I'm the I am the last guy standing, and you have over twenty three other guys that you're gonna need to re up, and you're not gonna be able to retain all those guys. So why don't you bring me back?" And they're gonna say, "Yeah." We're going to bring you back on a team-friendly deal. And because Reisner knows that he may not be able to get that much money out there on the market, guess what happens? He now retains his ability to be the the, right, uh, the left guard for the Denver Broncos, and, and he's here. Is he, is he going to get that massive payday? No. But once again, George, that's a byproduct of being on a losing team, and, 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 that, and that hurts guys' pockets. Let me ask you this, Nick. If
1: is is part of the reason maybe they don't they don't re-up him is because maybe they have a new head coach here soon and maybe the new head coach has a different scheme and Dalton Reisner doesn't fit it. I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there as to why they wouldn't want to do it in season. Is is that something that would cross, you know, George Payton's mind when he's thinking
0: about this? Yeah, I mean, it is a possibility, right? We don't know what the Broncos are going to do with their head coaching position until they actually do something. And we probably have to wait until maybe uh, the last two games uh, of the season to kind of figure that out. But, yeah, they're factoring in everything. Maybe, uh, you know, new coach, when he comes in, he wants to kind of reevaluate and look at the players. But also, you know that depth is a problem. Having so many guys as free agents and not going to be able to sign all of those guys back So there's pros and cons to this whole thing. And as a player, and and I've been in Dalton's position before, it is stressful. You want to stay here. You said he's from Wiggins, Colorado, right? It means something for him to be a part of this Broncos organization. It means something to Wiggins, Colorado, that he's a part of this Broncos organization. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to get paid. He wants to be validated for his ability on the field. But at the same time, you're only worth what the market states that you are. So if he decides that, hey, the Broncos didn't extend me during the regular season, we didn't play well. So let me go test the market right now. I can tell you that market is not going to be great. And he's going to end up coming to coming back to the Broncos and taking less money, less than what he thought that he was going to get. So at the end of the day, the answer to the question, will Dalton Reisner be Ah, uh, Bronco in 2023. I said, you know, uh, the chances are he will.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he'll be back. I, I don't know what it looks like, um, but I, I do think he'll be back. I, I think that they they try to work some sort of team, like I said earlier, team friendly deal, um, because again, they just need guys. They need bodies on the offensive line, and he's a guy that's that's proven to uh, you know again stay healthy. He's he started four years, played in different systems, um, and is a good dude. You know, he's a good dude and and I think you want good dudes in your locker room. But Nick, you mentioned something earlier, uh, in in regards of, of Dalton, but I think it's also in regards of the entire team. They're playing on a losing football team, right? Uh they're three and nine, which means they're going to be uh they're gonna have a, a six straight losing season in Denver, which is I think I think it's tied for or maybe the longest losing streak in, in in franchise history. Um, I thought it was interesting, Nick. I asked Russell Wilson after the game on Sunday, I said, hey, you've never lost nine games in a season. Um, and he hasn't in his career, 11 years in his in his career, and he's never had uh, this type of a season, this many losses. You know, how frustrating is that? Uh, and he said, it's it's the worst feeling. I, I don't ever want to feel this again, uh, is what he said. Nick, t- take me into that locker room. What's the reality for this group, you know, setting in and, and knowing – we're going to have another losing season uh, and there's five games left. I mean, I, I feel like it, from the outside, everybody would say, oh, well, what's the point, you know, uh, you know in, in, you know, uh, these last five games. But obviously these guys are some of the top competitors in the world. Uh, they're, they're going to go out there and compete still each Sunday. Uh, but, but, but what's just the reality for this group, knowing that they're, they have another losing season this year?
0: It's a very uh, difficult one. And, you know, I you know we're talking about Russ, but let's talk about Justin Simmons. He has no idea what a winning season is. I mean, since he's been a Denver Bronco, all he's done is loss, right? And just think about the emotional toll, mental toll. It, it takes on, it becomes really frustrating. And you're trying to manage your professional life and your family life simultaneously and you're looking for reasons why every single you think, single day you come in, why do I continue to do this, right? And for some guys, it's leaning on your family, saying, okay, well, I see them every night when I go home. They are the reason why I continue to come to work every single day and have a positive attitude. We've seen, you know, and we've talked to both Russell and Justin in the locker room, Still, still happy-go-lucky guys, but you can tell that it's bothering them But once again, one of the most criticized guys this season has been Russ. And everyone wants him to show emotion of frustration and anger. But just think about it. You just said it. I mean, this is the worst season in his career. Nine losses. He's never been through this before. And you got to think, you know, most quarterbacks, most players, how they would react in the media to questions about, hey, man, what it's like to lose a game? what is it like to know that your offense is struggling and everyone's pointing the finger at you, but he's not turning into that player. Everyone wants him to to be. So to me, that, that still demonstrates uh, a certain values and characteristics as a leader, but it's tough for those guys in the locker room, especially when those losses are consecutive, George, it's one thing to say, okay, well, we're going to win two, and then we're going to lose two, win three. And then we're going to lose two more. No, they're losing back to back to back games, and it's in the fashion of which they're losing those games that puts more pressure on players. I can only imagine what that plane ride it was like from the Panthers to Baltimore. You know, just kind of being on that that plane, and you, you want to be happy about your job, but but it's hard knowing as though you're losing consecutively. And knowing as though the media, local media, is trying to drive a wedge between you, that, that's a very difficult situation to be in.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you you bring up an interesting point, Nick, because I think it's a weird situation for the locker room because, like you said, you have a lot of guys on this team like Justin Simmons, Cortland Sutton, Draymond Jones, Dalton Reisner. They've never had a winning season, right? Uh, and so, you know, part of me is like, do you kind of get numb to it if, if you're those guys? Do you get Do you get a little numb? losing then you've got the other side of the locker room where like you said russell wilson he's never experienced this before so this is his first time you know going through a difficult season like this dj jones right it's another guy they brought in he was playing in the nfc championship game last year you know he's three and nine this year right he came to denver thinking i'm going to get back to where we were uh with, with san francisco right Kwan Williams is another one. So you, you've got these guys, you, and you've got, you know, Pat Sertan. I know he's been on two losing seasons now with the Broncos, but think about the, his college days, right? He's playing yeah. for national championships. He, he lost maybe one, two games his entire career in college. So you've got this situation where there's, I think, some guys like like Justin Simmons, who's seven years now in a row, uh, or, or I guess six years in a row, that he's he's not seen a winning season. And then you've got other guys that are like, I don't know how to deal with this. Uh, And so it's, it's a really interesting situation for that locker room right now. And I I think that there's part of it that you look towards Russell, you look towards some of those guys that have played in those, you know, those, those winning teams and say, you know, they need them to try try and turn the culture. And you also need the guys that have been losing to not get numb to it. Right.
0: Yeah, you do. And more importantly, you look at this uh, Broncos team, uh, the sheer makeup of it. They have a bunch of young guys on this team and, The mentality is so important because if there are guys who do get used to losing, let's be totally honest, you can get used to winning, but you can get used to losing as well. So when you talk about setting a culture and changing a culture, that that culture has been set for the past six years. That's why when when this team gets into a situation where they fall behind, they're, they're trying to finish the games, they really don't know how to because they've never really seen it. All they've seen was just kind of uh, despair, right? And heartache, and they need something to change. But once again, George, everything that we're talking about starts with one thing, and that's coming together, winning as a team. You have to finish. You can't allow that losing mentality to set in because there are too many guys on this Broncos roster who were really successful in college, and all of this is brand new to them. Remember how you got here, why you got here, Why you play this game and try to lean on that as a way to move you forward. And yes, the offense is struggling. They're probably going to continue to struggle. You know that. So that means defensively you have to go out there and be perfect. And that means you have to be perfect for not 45 minutes, not 55 minutes, not 59 minutes, for 60 minutes. Does that put a lot of pressure on the defense? Absolutely. But if they want to win, then it's going to be all on them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the reality for this group, the final five games, Nick. So uh, I, I think you're right. We got to take a quick break, Nick. Uh, and then we have one more thing we want to talk about. Uh, and, and it's one weakness uh, that the Broncos may have now uh, found a strength in. And I know that that's something that uh, you wanted to talk about. So we, we will uh, dive into that after the break.
0: Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All
1: right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, And we hinted at it. But, uh, Nick, there's one weakness on this team, or at least was one weakness on this team. uh, And really coming into the season, it was was, uh, something that I think a lot of people talked about being maybe the weakness of the defense. Uh, that I think, and and you're going to talk about it here, but has now turned into the strength of this Broncos defense. What is that weakness? Or now, I guess, strength.
0: Right, right. Uh, It is the linebackers. I mean, coming into the season, we were all thinking, okay, well, the Broncos are weak at certain positions and vulnerable, and that middle linebacker position was definitely one of them because, hey, you know, the Broncos are facing Travis Kelsey in Kansas City uh, this upcoming week, and the Broncos haven't done well traditionally covering Travis Kelsey, or tight ends for that matter. And knowing as though these tight ends in today's game, they're called tight ends, but let's call them what they really are. They're big wide receivers, and you're looking for your linebackers core, those guys on the second level, to be able to run down that vertical seam with those line, with, with those tight ends. But when you look at Singleton, when you look at Josie Drew, they don't look at you, they don't really stand out, rather, as two guys that have that uh, elite speed at the – the linebacker position. They're, they're not Patrick Queen or Roquan Smith. But here's what they develop into, this tandem together. And I think that's the thing. Have you ever seen Mighty Ducks and the Bash Brothers?
1: I love that movie.
0: Okay, that—that that is what they remind me of because they work in unison with one another, playing off one another. And, and watching them play together, George, against the run has been a, a thing of beauty, uh, the physicality that they both bring to the game. So for me, that was a once a weakness in my mind, but slowly as we go on over the season, it's turned into a strength, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, we need the we need the Broncos to get an interception and do the flying V down the field for a <laughs> for a touchdown. That'd be great. Uh, but I, I think you're right, Nick. I mean, Alex Singleton, I mean, when they brought him in, I think most people thought, you know, maybe he'd compete for a starting spot with Jonas Griffith, but they they also were really high on Jonas Griffith, right? Yeah. Um and, and Jonas won that spot obviously gets hurt. And, and, you know, Josie's been hurt this year. So Alex has actually played the most of any of those guys uh, and has come in and played really well. And you look at his career, Nick, uh, when he was with the Eagles, he was really good. I mean, he was a really solid linebacker for them. And we're seeing that this year. I, I think, I thought it was really interesting. Jero Evero. I asked about him, uh, you know, last week, I think it was, and he said, Alex Singleton, look, he's not going to wow you with his athletic ability. But he has some of the best instincts that he's ever coached at that position. And I think that's a really good compliment because you watch Alex Singleton. He reads plays well. He doesn't miss tackles. He's really physical. He's not the biggest guy out there, uh, but he rarely misses tackles. He's a guy that's flying around. He's covering well. And then you've got Josie Jewell, who I think there's a lot of people that questioned them bringing him back this last year, right? They brought him back, I believe, on a two-year deal. It's kind of a team-friendly thing. Uh, there wasn't it wasn't like he was super expensive, but some people are like, oh, why don't you just draft a linebacker? Josie Jules come back and played, I think, the best football of his career this year. Uh, again, he's been really physical, has some has some limitations athletically at times. Uh, right. Like he's not the fastest guy, but he's reading plays really well. He's a smart player. He's the one calling the defense on every single play. And I think that's important to have a guy who is, again, he's familiar with Justin Simmons. He's played with Kareem Jackson. He's played with a lot of these guys, and I think a lot of them are comfortable with him. Uh, and so those two are playing really good football right now, Nick. And like you said, I, you could argue it's it's one of the best uh, strengths of this team right now.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is because uh, when you look at, you know, why your second level, your defense has to be uh, – they have to play well, and that's because team like the, teams like to run the ball. And, and I get it. The Broncos have had some leaky uh, run defense – over the past couple of games, but when you look at the body of work as a whole, those two guys have done uh, an excellent job. And you brought up something when you think about linebackers, and if you're not a guy that's really fast or considered to be athletic, you have to be instinctive, right, to know where team wants to run the ball. But more importantly, know what your weaknesses uh, are. And one guy that I, I that comes to mind, and I'm not saying that, hey, you know, Singleton or Josie Jewel. Um, I mean, they, there are these guys or, it, you know, the, you could say that, you know, they're playing like this guy, but, but there are some similarities when, when I think about it, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas wasn't a big guy, but he just knew exactly where to be. I mean, he was in the right position on, on run plays. He was in the right position on passing plays. And if you know you're not that fast, you have to know, okay, based on personnel groupings and down and distance, where you need to put your body. And, and we've seen both Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton in position for interceptions, but uh, they have not been able to haul those in. But that tells me once again, the tandem itself is working and they may not have worked well. in Vic Fangio's defense, and that's not to say that they didn't play well, but looking at Azura Evero's uh, defense and how he puts them in certain uh, advantageous positions. It is definitely, you know, working out now. That's not to say, George, that I think the Broncos should not go out and draft a linebacker uh, in this uh, upcoming draft in 2023. I'm not saying that because it's all about creating a competitive environment. But I will say that these two guys have definitely impressed me. And I was one of those guys that when I looked at Josie Jewell and I was like, you know what? I don't know why the Broncos are signing him back. But if you say, well, if you look at uh, why they brought him back, yeah, I understand now.
1: Well, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do this offseason with those two guys, Nick, because I believe Josie's deal is one where they have an option where they could technically let him go uh, after the season. And I believe Alex is only on a one year deal. So you could be looking at a completely different linebacker group next year. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think there's a good chance they they keep both those guys. And like you said, maybe draft another guy. Right. Uh, And bring in a young guy to, to kind of maybe sit behind them and learn or maybe replace them eventually. Uh, you know, I don't know what Jonas Griffith still looks like off the top of my head, but I wonder if he's back next year. Obviously, uh has had some injuries this year that's that's kept him off the field. So, but I, again, Nick, I, I like the idea of you know, that is a weakness, you know, coming into the season, right? And all of a sudden it's turned to a strength. I want to ask you the opposite though, Nick, and I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Is there is there a group offense or defense? And you can't say quarterback because that's the obvious one, but is there a group on this team that you thought man, that's a strength of this football team and actually ended up being a weakness for this group.
0: Well, I mean, I thought uh, that the offensive line, believe it or not, as strange as that sounds, uh, was going to be a strength because the only position I felt as though they needed to solidify was the right tackle position. And with everything that we heard from Justin Alvin and Nathaniel Hackett about Billy Turner, we thought that, okay, once he got healthy, he was going to hold down that right tackle position. And then that group was just going to maul opposing defensive lines. That really didn't happen. The tiny Mooty, I thought, because once again, hey, the experience and the cohesiveness that he's had with this offensive line, and being as though, yeah, Pat Sherman was the offensive the coordinator uh, last year, but now that 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 cohesiveness, the guys working together, working out together, I just thought that was going to play a major role in this this team being able to run the ball. Not, not just in pass protection. The pass protection was still a little spotty here and there, but just running the ball. Because when you run the ball, George, hey, you know what you're doing from an offensive line standpoint. All you have to do is fire off and move a guy off his mark. We haven't really seen that this year with the starting unit and with the makeshift unit, it has been downgraded as well.
1: I think that's the right answer, Nick. I, I was just trying to think in my head. One, the defensive side of the ball, I think they've all – pretty much lived up to expectations, Um, you know, and like you said, the linebackers ended up, you know, being better than we anticipated on the offensive side of the ball. You could argue every single position for this. Right. In terms of uh, we thought it was going to be a strength. I mean, you look at the wide receivers um, and obviously they haven't lived up to expectations this year. Now, I think we all knew in the back of our head, like we don't really know what to expect from that group. Right. Because we hadn't seen it yet from them. So I, I would argue that we, we, we won't no None of us thought it was going to be a strength of this team. Um, so, uh, you know, whatever for that, that group tight ends. I think we all kind of knew is like <clears throat> that actually is kind of a weakness in their in their group. And, and, it, and that's proven to be correct other than Greg Dulcich. Uh, so that doesn't really count running back. Definitely, I thought that was going to be a strength of this group. Nick, I think you could make an argument for that. Sucks when when you lose Javante Williams. uh, That obviously all of a sudden becomes the spot that's tough to replace. Melvin Gordon is now with the Chiefs. You've got a a bunch of guys that were on practice squads that are now your running backs, so that's tough. But the offensive line, Nick, I remember saying before the season, and now I probably look like an idiot. (laughs) I said before the season, I was like, this is the strength of the offense. You know, This has been an issue for the Broncos in previous years. They didn't have the offensive line. They didn't even have the depth, right? But when you walked into the season, you said, man, you've got Garrett Bowles at left tackle. He's playing the best football of his career these last couple of years. Uh, you've got Dalton Reisner coming back. Lloyd Cushenberry is only going to get better. Quinn Miners is a, is a young guy that's getting better. And then you looked at their right tackle spot. They went out and got Billy Turner, right? A guy that's played a lot in this league. They went out and got Tom Compton, who's played in this system, played on the 49ers. He's one of those guys I mentioned earlier. He was in the NFC Championship game last year. He's starting for the San Francisco 49ers, right? You've got some other guys, Calvin Anderson, Cam Fleming, guys that can play some different spots. Natani Mute was another another one that I think a lot of people thought could maybe contribute on this team. Now you look out there and it's like, this might be the worst unit on the team. And some of that is, right? You know, injuries and and all that that's played into that. But yeah, I mean, the offensive line, I would argue, is the most disappointing unit on the entire team, Nick.
0: Yeah, it definitely has. And, you know, coming into the season, I didn't anticipate that. But the whole idea, you can't cry over spilled milk, man. When you get an opportunity to play and you're a backup and this is something that you have been waiting for, it's about maximizing opportunities. Because in this league, sometimes you might only get that one opportunity. So this was an excellent opportunity for Calvin Anderson to really show that uh, he needs to, or coming into next year, he needs more starting reps, right? You look at Cam Fleming, the same thing. That, that is a position that the Broncos have not fixed since Ryan Clady was here in the Broncos uniform. So it was an excellent opportunity for Cam Fleming's to solidify his stronghold on that position and say, hey, I'm going to plant my flag in the sand right now and say, I am the right tackle that you guys have been looking for. And now it's time for me to get paid. But that hasn't really happened. And then that's kind of the more shocking of the situation for me, especially knowing how I came into this league where I was an undrafted player. And, man, I was scratching and calling for every single rep that I can get to be able to show the team, you know what, I need more reps as a starter. You give me more reps as a starter, I'm going to get better. I'm going to develop. Now I'm going to be, I guess, not an expensive guy at the position, but, hey, you can pay me just kind of like the average salary for a veteran and you get a hell of a player. This is an opportunity that so many of these guys on the Broncos roster are missing out on. When you're playing for let's just say a team that's struggling, right? It is an opportunity, but I don't really know how many guys view it as an opportunity or just, you know what, I'm on a team we're not playing well. I feel sad about the situation. I feel frustrated. No, my approach would be I'm coming in with a smile on my face because guess what? I know I can win a job. I can take a job and this is a perfect opportunity. But who's going to seize that opportunity themselves? Real quick,
1: Nick, and we got to wrap here in a second. You mentioned some of those guys. We talked about Dalton Reisner earlier. How many of these guys on the offensive line would you bring back next year of Cam Fleming, Calvin Anderson, I think Calvin Anderson maybe has one more year on his deal. Either way, Calvin Anderson, uh, Tom Compton, Billy Turner. Of Those four guys, how many of those guys are you bringing back next year?
0: I might bring back um, Cam Flemings and uh, Calvin Anderson. And here's why. Because of their versatility. Right now, they have not proven that they are uh, starters. Uh, maybe they can develop into starters. You hope that this time that they're getting right now it's going to be proved to be very valuable, but I would bring those two guys back because they're swing guys. Compton, we don't really know what he is. We know what we were told that he was, but he got injured. We haven't been able to see a large body of work. And let's be totally honest with Billy Turner, man. To me, I think Turner is at a point in his career where he knows that his days are numbered. I'm just going to collect those checks. If I can get out there and play, I will play. But once again, it's all about getting a right tackle that becomes a cornerstone for your offense, and I don't think that's Billy Turner.
1: Yeah, you got to draft someone, and and also, you know, when you talk about Tom Compton and, and and Billy Turner, if there's a new coaching staff, I think a large part of why they got to to Denver is their familiarity with Nathaniel Hackett and and what he was trying to do offensively. So I I would assume that those guys probably wouldn't be back next year. Also, they were it seemed like they were one year rentals. Uh, at the position. So I do like Cam Fleming. I think he's actually had a decent year this year. I know a lot of people don't think he's been very good. I actually would argue of those four guys, he's probably been the best uh, of those four guys. And he's a guy, like you said, he's versatile. He can play both sides. He's been in the league a long time. He's played, I believe, in a Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, again, you may not think he's great, but he's been around a while and he knows what he's doing. Uh, and I do think he's he's a good locker room guy. So Going to be interesting, Nick. They got a lot of decisions to make on that offensive line. We'll have to, uh, and, and just honestly, across the board on this team. Um, we mentioned the linebackers earlier, but uh, we, we will dive into some of that stuff towards the end of the season again uh, and see, you know, who 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 will they, you know, keep and who won't they keep. Um, but uh, good episode, Nick. Uh, we we will break down the Chiefs in the next one, which should be a fun one. There's a lot to look at with this Chiefs group. Obviously, the Broncos have their hands full uh, this week, so. Thanks again, to everybody, for listening. Uh, make sure you guys like and subscribe to the podcast, and we will be back later this week to
0: break down the Broncos and the Chiefs.